everybody. This is Doug Robertson of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution on a sleepy Monday morning with another Southern Fried Soccer podcast. Last night, Atlanta United defeated Seattle 2 to nothing at Lumen Field out here in beautiful but smoky Seattle. Both goals came from Yorgo Shakamakis. And with the victory, Atlanta United improved to 38 points this season. It is two points out of third place, though Philadelphia does have two games in hand. It is two points out of fourth place, where Orlando has a game in hand. It was a massive three points, though, for Atlanta United in this brutal, what remains now nine games, but ten game stretch before this game started. It will next host Nashville on Saturday at Mercedes-Benz, but Atlanta United now has a cushion, so to speak, above the playoff line of eight points, but its goal is to finish at least fourth or higher. So these three points on the road at Seattle, an uneven Seattle team, will prove very, very important near the end of the year. In this podcast, you're going to hear from manager Gonzalo Pineda in his first match back in Seattle since leaving from there as an assistant coach to take over Atlanta United in the summer of 2021. You're going to hear from Brooks Lennon, who had an assist on Yurko Chakamaki's first goal. It was Lennon's eighth assist this season, which is a career high for him. That was Yakamaki's 11th goal, and then he added his 12th on an assist from Tiago Almada. Yakamaki is now just one behind Hany Mukhtar for the Golden Boot, despite having six less appearances. Uh, both the goals were fantastic goals. Both the assists were fantastic assists. Brad Guzan and Atlanta United's defense with Miles Robinson back for the first time in 10 weeks because he was off with the U.S. men's national team recorded its seventh shutout. You're also going to hear from Yakamakis, and you're going to hear from Atlanta United President Garth Lagerway, who held a media scrum before the game. This was Lagerway's first game back since leaving as the club's GM to become Atlanta United's president uh, before this season. He was honored before the game for the Seattle's victory in the CONCACAF Champions League. I think he got a watch. Um, but anyway, it was just it was a really good night for Atlanta United for a lot of reasons in this beautiful, beautiful city. I wish Atlanta United could come here every year. I love it in Seattle so much. Great walking city. And I want to say uh, hello to Jennifer and Ed, who uh, we all went to dinner on Friday. They're Atlanta United supporters who now live out here. Good, good night. If this is your first time listening to us, please make sure to follow the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss an episode. Follow me on Twitter at Doug Robertson AJC. Follow me on Facebook at Atlanta United News Now. This is Southern Fried Soccer from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Ocean breeze, tropical beach, pina colada. You can buy an air freshener to make your car smell like you're in an oceanside paradise. Or, better yet, you can point your car toward Daytona Beach and come experience the real thing. Visit DaytonaBeach.com to discover all there is to see do and enjoy along the world's most famous beach daytona beach florida beach on in atlanta one voice has stood out for over four decades an ajc original the monica pearson show let's talk about how you got to espn revealing interviews you are known as america's doctor but i want to know who you were before that when you have a different name you have different color skin it can be tough with atlanta's most famous faces as you've never seen them before i'm telling my story this is the american dream the monica pearson show streaming now on ajc.com as i mentioned 
in the first portion of the show. You're going to hear from Gonzalo Pineda, and we're going to start with him. The team spent these past couple of weeks in which it didn't have games because it got bounced out of the league's cup in the group stage, working on its press, working on its mid block defending, working on its concepts when it had the ball. So my first question to Pineda last night was how do the things the team work on manifest themselves on Sunday and help Atlanta United get a victory? Yeah, I felt that uh, we've been working very hard. Uh, when I say we, it's the staff and the players, of course, and uh, in certain things that we felt were important from now on uh, to to try to try to get that push to get in top four and to get in playoffs. And I think today we show we show that we can do it. Um, there are moments that we can do better. We lost control the, the last five, ten minutes of the first half, and then the first 20, 30 minutes, um, Sounders was on top of the, on, on top of on us, and then we couldn't really connect passes, and we were very sloppy in our touches. So, so we can correct that. But overall, I would say it was a, a, a good performance for the team, and a well-deserved three points. Atlanta United had two players make their MLS debuts last night, two of the summer acquisitions, uh, Jean De Silva and Tristan Miyamba. Silva on the wing, Miyamba in central midfield. It was his second start, but his first came in the League's Cup. Uh, both look really, really good again. Uh, you know, they bring, I think, more than 300 appearances in Europe into Atlanta United's roster. And with that just comes a calmness on the ball. They didn't get overwhelmed. Silva took three shots put all three on goal. Miambo was was integral and Atlanta United breaking Seattle's lines again and again and again. And when Atlanta United had trouble, it's usually uh, if when Miamba had trouble. It was a uh, it was a really interesting performance. Uh, there was another surprise starter on the other wing, Edwin Mosquera, who again gives you oohs and ahs, but again just does not have any kind of product in the final third, but he's likely going to be replaced by Saba who did get his visa last week. Is expected to be at the team training on Tuesday when it returns. But I wanted to hear from Pineda on how uh, Silva and Miyamba looked. Very good. I think those two are impactful players. They came here and they impacted the team right away. They, they, they didn't need that much adaptation. It was good to have three weeks to work with them uh, in a regular basis and, and to put the principles in place. But they're good players, so they adapt very well. Uh, Tristan, of course, gives us you know security on the ball, more physicality in the middle of the field, someone with a lot of mobility that can cover ground at high intensity, uh, very smart player uh, on and off the ball. Um, and then Shande, that uh, is very explosive. He can give us a lot of attacking movements on that left side. I felt like today uh, he couldn't finish a couple plays that he had in uh, the training session. He's been scoring many, many nice goals that we were, were delighted with. And uh, today he couldn't, but I'm sure uh, his future with Atlanta United is bright. And, uh, and then two more are coming, are on the way. So I'm happy with that and hopefully... Uh, can can be as impactful as Shandon Tristan Muyuma. If you stayed up late to watch the game last night, you will see, or you saw, when Atlanta United had the ball and was going forward, Lennon and Caleb Wiley, the outside fullbacks, came way inside and were playing almost on vertical lines with the center backs as two more holding midfielders, allowing Hizetu and Miyamba and Amada to get further up the field and give a lot more passing options, a lot more fluidity to Atlanta United's attack. It also allowed the wingers, uh, Silva and Mosquera, to really have a whole lot of space on the flanks. 
and it, it reminded me a little bit of something that Man City has done in the past, though I don't like to give Pep Guardiola any credit. Uh, but here's Pineda talking about that. It was, number one, a little bit on, on, on how we uh, scouted Seattle and what we felt was good, could have been good, and eventually it was uh, tactically to attack certain spaces. Uh, but the other thing is also now we have true wingers. We have true wingers now. Edwin Mosquera is completely fit. Now he can start. And then Sean De Silva, and then, of course, uh, um, Saba is on the way. So those are true wingers. So now we can really try to get some possession through the middle, overloading the middle. And then if the opponent closes down, then we have the outlet always uh, on the outside channels. So that was a bit the idea. Uh, but again, uh, we are not Pep Guardiola. We are not uh, Maurizio Sarri. We are not anything like that. The game belongs to the players. And the players... You know, performance tonight was great. Their decision making was very good most of the time, and I felt that they recognized the moments of the game very well. And they were brave. They were brave. I like the bravery of the team on the ball, off the ball, more aggression. So we're going in the right direction. Now, Atlanta United did win two to nothing. It it earned that victory. It was slightly lucky. Uh, the last ten minutes of the first half, first fifteen minutes of the second half. It had all sorts of trouble breaking through Seattle's press. Seattle finished with almost an even expected goals total as Atlanta United, despite having 25 a fewer percentage points of the possession. Um, a lot of those times, it looked like to me, Atlanta United almost abandoned the middle of the field. It didn't give itself an option to pass then. It, let, it allowed itself to get pinched on the sidelines, which played right into Seattle's press. But here's plenty of talking about why the team had issues. Yes, I mean, if we're happy for today's performances because Seattle is a fantastic team. When we scouted Seattle, they are top uh, two, top three, at times number one in many, many good categories uh, in, in, in football. Uh, expected goals, expected goals against, creating chances, uh, quality of those chances, crosses, shots, uh, not conceding a lot of expected goals on the back. So they are a, a top team. Uh, we believe that Seattle is a top team and especially here in Lumen Field. So uh, it's very important that that performance came against a very good opponent like Seattle. And, you know, that makes us, you know, even more satisfied for tonight's uh, uh, result. And I would have been remiss to not ask Pineda about Yakamakis. Um, he's an informed striker. He's not carrying it, lending out its goal scoring, but he's doing a lot of things both in scoring goals Defensively, he uh, tied for the team lead in tackles, for example, last night. Uh, he cleared several corner kicks. How far can Gigi help his club go? Well, it's only up to him, up to the players that are around him also to give and provide good assists. You saw today also is the highest uh, assist in Brooks Lennon's career with eight. That's also a good a good sign of his hard work. But I'm still more pleased with his defending. In the first half, he did very, very important tackles and duels on, the, on, on our own third. And then still he has the ability to put good assists. Um, but then Jaco, I think he's... A goal scorer. He's a top scorer. He smells the goal. He can score in many different fashions. He can go with the head. He can go also with you know run, making runs in behind. He's a cleaner uh, finisher, and I'm, we're very happy. But again, it's about him, you know, uh, being fit, 
being physically okay. And once he's there, I think he can uh, perform for us in a high level. Brooks Lennon was next to answer the bell, as he typically does. Good guy. Wanted to just get his take on how much confidence does it give the team that they were able to put into the game the things they've been working on and they worked well. Yeah, we were really happy with how the game played out. Um, you know, a lot of the things that we've worked on in the last two weeks, like you said, um, you know, happened in the game, and that's great to see. Uh, the way we pressed them from the beginning, the way we controlled the tempo of the game on the ball, um, you know, the way in the first half we were moving them side to side, opening up gaps, runs in behind, chances in, uh, in front of goal. You know, we had multiple opportunities um, in front of goal in the first half uh, that should have been goals. So really positive play from us. Um, and now we just have to continue to build off, the, uh, off this performance. The next question was just setting his career high with eight assists and what that means to him. And his answer was, was very earnest, very honest. You know, he's a, he's a driven guy. You would love to hear more athletes talk about their craft like Lennon does here. It means a lot. Um, you know, I put a lot into this game every single day. Um, you know, I put a lot of pressure on myself day in and day out to, per- to perform at a high level. Um, and I set goals for myself at the beginning of the season, and I have goals and aspirations, um, you know, to become a, a great player and a player, you know, that's going to reach high things in, in, you know, in my career. And obviously I want to be involved in the national team. And, um, you know, the only thing that I can do is continue to perform here at Atlanta United to get an opportunity there and um, obviously to, to get my eighth assist this, this year, um, you know, and to have the most assists in my career it means a lot and i'm very proud um of how how you know well i've done this season and now i just have to continue to keep my head down and keep working hard and a lot of you have been down on lennon uh over the years i asked him just how much easier does it make his job to have an informed striker playing he hasn't had one lennon has not since he arrived before the 2020 season and here's his answer yeah, it means a lot, um, you know, to have Gigi here, uh, the way that he implements himself, not only in the games, but like you said, in the last two weeks in training, he's been, um, you know, so good for us. Uh, you know, he, he's one of those guys that, you know, doesn't just take training off and, and you know, plays hard in the game. He, he plays just as hard in training than he does in the game. And um, he's such a good character off the field. Um, so I'm so happy to see him, you know, scoring great goals, two goals tonight uh, to, to, con- to continue to add to his tally. And I know he's got, you know, big goals for himself. Uh, and he's one of my, you know, really good, good close friends on the team. So, um, you know, all of Gigi's success makes me happy. And then I wanted to get his take on playing in the middle of the pitch. Uh, did he enjoy it? Is he comfortable? What are the challenges? Yeah, I enjoy I enjoy that role. Um, you know, at times I'm gonna be rolling inside. Uh, Gonzalo wants a little bit more fluidity in our movements. Um, you know, sometimes he wants um, you know me inside. He, sometimes he wants me outside. Uh, he wants the the movements a little bit more free flowing than uh, so static. Um, and so obviously I'm, I'm very comfortable out wide as that's normally where I play. Uh, but now, you know, I've, you know, three or four weeks I've been playing in the middle at, at times and I feel very comfortable in there. So, um, I just have to continue to, uh, improve in that role and, um, you know, continue to learn and understand 
the correct positioning to be to, to, in order to help our team offensively uh, have the best opportunities to score. And then I was curious, when does he decide to do that? Is it purely this is what you're doing or is it a reading the game type thing? Yeah, it's more of a reading the play. It's, okay. it's kind of my decision on uh, what time is the best time to go inside okay. and what time is the best time to stay out wide. You see uh, fullbacks all around the world doing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, playing that inverted role, uh, you know. So you see Zinchenko at, yeah. at Arsenal. You see Man- Manchester City doing it all the time. <laughs> That's the team I mentioned the gun to. Yeah, so, <laughs> he said I'm uh, not Pep Guardiola. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you see teams all over the world doing it, and it's not like we're trying to obviously mimic what they're doing. But I think it helps having fluidity, fluidity in our movement, um, and just create gaps in behind, uh, you know, their def- defensive lines. And then Lennon's takes on Silva and Miamba. Tristan tonight was world class. I mean, playing next to him in the middle of the park is is very easy. Uh, he's such a good player. Jandi, um, you know, you could see Sparks tonight. Um, he had a great chance in the first half, kind of on that right hand side where he, you know, he was he was calm in front of goal. He kind of um, you know waited for the for the defender to dive in. You know, cut back onto his left foot. Um, and unfortunately, he wasn't able to bury it. But, you know, you could see the quality in both players. And, um, you know, I think they're really going to help us uh, with these next nine games. Now going to Yakamakis. Uh, got him kind of in the rope line on the way out of the game. Uh, appreciate him stopping to talk to me. One of his thoughts on how important was the win and the performance. Uh, both of them they were really important. Of course, most important is to win. But if you combine the, combine the win with a good performance... It's even better. It uh, gives you a bit more confidence, and uh, that's something we're looking for. Uh, of course, we had some up and downs in the game, but most of the game we we played our football. We played very well. We dominated the game. We had the possession of the ball. We created like good chances, and uh, we, we we could be more clinical. Uh, but at the end of the day, we won, and uh, that's the most important. And then, of course, we wanted to ask him about the golden boot. Is it something that he wants? Oh, it's really important. It's really important because at the same time. Uh, as far as as far as I'm scoring, uh, I would help my team to to win some games. Um, of course, it's something that I'm thinking, but I don't, I don't want to be obsessed with this one. Yeah. Uh, I want to be an important player for my for my team, not only by scoring, but doing also some other things defensively and uh, also uh, offensively. But uh, sure, it's my position to score. It's it's one of the uh, of the reasons Atlanta signed me, and uh, of course, I want to score every single game. Uh, at the same time, if not, I will be very happy if I have a good performance and I, uh, I can help my team uh, win a game, even if I'm not on the scoring list. Now, these questions uh, to Lagerway weren't asked by me. They were for the Seattle media. I just kind of stood to the side and listened. They asked a lot of good questions. It was, it was great meeting Nico and, and Jeremiah and, and Ari and, and all the guys and, and Alex with the comms department and all the people here in Seattle. But here's Garth talking about how the league has changed with Messi's arrival and how that opens up some doorways. Yeah, I mean, I, Messi's the most exciting development certainly since Beckham. Um, the impact of Messi, I think, is going to be even greater. Uh, you know, when Beckham came, uh, there was no infrastructure. You know, he, the MLS was not known anywhere mainstream, and he was the first kind of player to do talk shows uh, back at a time when linear TV was a thing and, and uh, people watched <laughs> late night uh, late night uh, guys tell jokes. Um, 
But I remember, you know, uh, I was working at the law firm at the time when Beckham signed, and uh, all the women in the firm suddenly came to my office and asked me to take the DC United games, and it wasn't because I got better looking. <laughs> so uh, that was Beckham, and, and now Messi is. It's, it's more established, right? And, and look, you had the perfect star, right? He comes in for League's Cup. You know, they win seven games in a row. They win the championship, the League's Cup, and a smashing success. My understanding is we sold a bunch of subscriptions in Mexico. You know, when you talk about League MX being the most watched league in, in uh, North America, more than Champions League, more than Premier League, you know, that is the right play for this league. You know, that is playing those rivalry games. And again, the Sounders, a vanguard of that, you know, winning the Champions League. Uh, taking on uh, lots of Mexican teams uh, over time, and you know we're really proud in Atlanta. We have a, a Mexican uh, American general manager and a Mexican head coach, so uh, I do think that's the way of the future, and, and Messi's the main part of that. This next question was about the diversity of the U.S. soccer team and the message that it sends to younger players. Absolutely, that's that's, that's a huge part of the Maz, and, and look, just the ability to. Uh, have them in our community and have a national training center. I mean, the U.S. is a little bit late to the game uh, in terms of a lot of, you guys might have read the press that Argentina's building a training center in Miami, for goodness sake. So, uh, you know, the U.S. needs its own training center, and uh, if it winds up being us, you know, that would be that'd be a really cool achievement for the city of Atlanta uh, and for Arthur Blank Sports and Entertainment. Back to Messi and the rules of MLS. There's a lot of expectation that some of the acquisition and roster rules might become simpler for next season, and here's Garth talking about that. Look, the, the answer is change can come whenever it's wanted, you know, but ultimately that's a that's a decision about my pay grade, and, um, you know, I've been an advocate for, you know, relaxing some of the restrictions and evolving the league for a decade. You know, probably you guys are sick of hearing me talk about it here in Seattle, and um, I think there's an opportunity to do it again, but uh, that, again, is ultimately not up to me. It's not up to, you know, the employees league. It's up to the, the owners league and how they want to take it and how they see it, and what I think is really encouraging, though, is that Messi has not been a gamble from a financial perspective. He has generated revenues to uh, more than justify the expenditure of salary. And I think that, then, is a real path. That, that it's, it's not just a, a Hail Mary. It's, hey, look at this. Now, Messi is one of one. I don't want to act like, hey, just sign any player and you know the same thing will happen. But I do think there's an opportunity to drive the league forward. And I think it's shame on us if between now and 2026, um, with, the, with this run of tournaments, with Copa America, knowing that U.S. and Mexico are playing in that tournament as well. For us, we have Tiago Almato playing for Argentina in that tournament. Um, you know, that opportunity is so massive. Hopefully, Miles Robinson playing for the United States by then as well. Um, you know, but to have that tournament, that's, that's the biggest game in town. And then the Club World Cup is, and then the World Cup. So we got this huge run and an opportunity for exposure to the game, and that stuff's really encouraging. Here's Garth talking about his relationship with Pineda. Of course, the two worked together in Seattle for a while. You know, there's, there's a whole bunch of us. Uh, Manny Tejada was our team in Mad Men. He went. Scotty Trinillo was uh, the equipment manager here. He went. Uh, Ozzy, myself, Steve Cook uh, joined me this year. Um, and there's one more, Gonzalo. And there's one more even. But anyway, there's six or seven of us. So uh, we always joke uh, with Manny Tejada that, uh, you know, he's the one that, uh, he was our Moses. He, he led, us, uh, <laughs> led, us, led us out of the wilderness to the uh, other side of the country. So, uh, no, I mean, it, it's been a good relationship with Gonzalo. Obviously, knowing each other before uh, makes things easier um, in terms of going and working together. And uh, it was fun. We, we, uh, we went to uh, uh, out to dinner the first night we were in town here and uh, with the whole team and uh, just walking through. You know, I lived in the suburbs here, I lived in Kirkland, and so I didn't spend that much time walking around downtown Seattle, so it was really interesting to be back as a tourist and just, again, just to appreciate the, the beauty that is down here around the water and stuff like that, and 
so Gonzo and I were kind of sharing our memories and experiences and even reminiscing about driving in the traffic on uh, 405. So uh, not, not all positive, but, uh, you know, a lot in common. And here's Garth talking about the differences between his job now in Atlanta versus his job in Seattle. So they put different letters in front of it, the, the C, the E, yeah. the O, and anyway. Now, it's a... Uh, like for 15 years, I did soccer, right? I mean, that was the general manager roles, and that was it was super fun. And um, but uh, it was it was important for me to keep learning um, and to try to keep evolving into dynamic relationships. And to be the CEO allows me now to manage the business as well as the soccer side. Um, that allows me to get a lot more involved in strategy, um, where I can say, hey, you know, if we're able to sell this many tickets or this many jerseys or um, this corporate sponsorship and I'm working, you know, with a really sophisticated organization with the Falcons, with Mercedes-Benz Stadium, um, you know, and so I both kind of can't screw it up because you have all these uh, wonderful, successful folks that have been doing it for a long time. Uh, and it allows me, though, to, to direct those resources where I think it's appropriate and really set those priorities for the organization. And so it, it really is a step up and it allows you to make uh, long-term plans. And, uh, you know, uh, it's, been, it's been really fun. All right. I hope you enjoyed that. When we come back, we'll dive into the mailbag. This is Southern Fried Soccer from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Ocean Breeze, Tropical Beach. An air freshener can make your car smell like paradise. A drive to Daytona Beach will actually get you there. Beach on. Plan your trip today at DaytonaBeach.com. The AJC's trusted veteran political voices, Greg Bluestein, Patricia Murphy, Tia Mitchell, and Bill Nygut are the essential source for Georgia politics. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution's Politically Georgia. Sign up for the newsletter, download the podcast, subscribe to the AJC. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution has a special offer for our podcast listeners. If you subscribe today, it has to be today. You can't put it off. And if you don't listen to this podcast for a couple more days... Well, you're out of luck. Maybe if you listen to the next podcast, maybe we'll have this offer again. But you can get three months of unlimited digital access for just 99 cents. That's all of our sports coverage, our politics, our breaking news, our investigations. We're going to have a newsletter about the Trump investigation. We've done a fantastic job with all of that coverage. And I hope you'll take advantage and and get educated and stay informed as to what is going on. Because it could significantly change the future of this country. You can get access to our e-paper and our assortment of newsletters. So join our community by going to subscribe.ajc.com slash podcast. That's subscribe.ajc.com slash podcast. You have to do it today, right now. Don't pause doing the podcast. Multitask. As you're listening, get out your phone, get out your Kindle, get out your, your, your uh, iPad, Get out your PC, go down to the basement, get out your Commodore 64, plug it in, get on that, and go to subscribe.ajc.com slash podcast. All right, we're going to open up the mailbag. That's 404-526-AJCP. That's 404-526-2527, the most important number in the history of numbers. We're going to start with Josh and Roswell. Hey, Doug, great performance last night. Thank you. From uh, Atlanta versus Seattle. Oh, um, it's so nice to have them back um, after a break, and nice to have uh, hear the pod back again. Um, hey, two quick questions. Uh, so I was wondering if you knew anything about this new third kit, um, and I, I there was always rumors that it was going to be green and it was going to like reference the Atlanta Olympics, and then it looks like it's this different uh, black kit with all these bright colors. So curious if you know anything about that. And the other question is, 
you know, we had this super secret behind the closed door scrimmage against St. Louis. Wonder if you can tell us about that now, if you know details on that one. Thanks so much, Doug. Love all you do. I know lots about that kit. Uh, it is, I'm going to take a guess on the name because of the big numbers on it. Uh, I'm assuming it's going to be like the 404 kit or the Atlantic kit or something like that. Um, or the graffiti kit. Um, I wrote about it last week. If you type Doug Robertson, Goody Mob, third kit, the story will come up. Um, if you've already ordered yours, you'll be able to pick it up at the team store at Atlantic Station starting at 11 a.m. on Tuesday. Uh, it's an interesting looking kit. I'm going to have another story about that kit posting in the morning. Um, it is black. It does have blue and green on it. No one seems to have any idea what color the shorts and socks are. I'm really curious to see that. I always like contrast in kits. Um, but anyway, there'll be lots of details about the kit in the story that we'll post in the morning. So, you know, set an alarm for Doug Robertson new stories, and we'll go from there. The St. Louis closed scrimmage? No, I don't I don't know too much about it. I know Jean De Silva had two either one or two assists. Uh, I know that it was... I think it was four 30-minute periods, so the teams were changing players in and out, trying to get fresh legs, stay competitive, and it was at the training ground, and that is what I know. On to the next questions. All right, we're going to start with Nick, friend of the podcast. Nick says, I hope you enjoyed your trip to Seattle. I have. I love Seattle. Over the next nine games, most starters seem, quote, written in pen, quote, so what would your depth chart at winger and central midfielder next to Miyumba look like? Thanks. Atlanta United's next match is against Seattle at Mercedes-Benz Stadium on Saturday. Should be a fantastic match. Uh, both teams are right around each other in the Eastern Conference standings. Nashville, of course, just came off a thrilling uh, run and match. Uh, eventual loss to Miami in the League's Cup, but they are in form. They, have a, uh, they added a stringer from, I think it was Nottingham Forest in England, Sam Surridge. Uh, to the roster to go along with Hany Mukhtar and, and all their fantastic players. Should be a great game. So my depth chart at winger, well, I would have Silva on the left. He did nothing to lose his spot against Seattle. I'm assuming Saba, who is fit, uh, will start on the right wing uh, with Mosquera behind him and then Etienne kind of filling in either on the right or the left, maybe Tyler Wolf. Etienne didn't play at all last night. Uh, Wolf came in off the bench. He was among the first calls. Seems like Etienne has really fallen out of favor. Uh, Mosquera, you know, a perfectly good backup, but at some point there's got to be an end product in the final third. He could have had two goals in the first half last night. He put one over the bar. Another time he, he instead of shooting, I guess because he missed that first one, tried to pass it back to Almada and it was intercepted. He just he looks like a guy who just does not have any confidence in front of goal. He's got all the confidence in the middle third, but then it just disappears. Um, so that would be my depth chart. Central midfielder, uh, I, I don't think you're going to break up what you had going last night. I thought Huzetu had a good game. That's a second consecutive good game for Atlanta with Mayumba playing beside him and, of course, Almada. So the only reason you would change him out is maybe uh, – injury or just fatigue or or some little knock but that is what i think you're going to see probably the rest of the way you know barring injury there is a midweek game uh, in two weeks 
followed by a game on the road in Frisco. So you might see some rotation there. Chance has a whole bunch of points for us. He says, goodness, that was refreshing. I didn't expect such a strong performance out in Seattle, but there were still some scary defensive errors that could have really turned this game around. Regardless, lots of good performances and a hopeful start after the League's Cup. I've got several quick questions. Miyamba still needs some more games, but certainly earn his starting spot. Yeah, yep, I would agree. Miyamba has looked really, really good. I just, you know, don't want y'all thinking he's the, the second coming of me at Pebblebrook High School on the Fighting Falcons, Fighting Falcons soccer team. But yeah, he's looked really, really good. Uh, going with Abram over Parata. Well, Abram started against Cruz Azul. Again, didn't really do anything to lose his starting spot last night. I thought he looked solid. I just wish he'd give an interview. He's not given an interview all year, turned down a or Seattle reporter last night. Uh, from my understanding, speaks good English. Um is playing well. It'd be nice to hear from him, but you know, I guess he doesn't have to, if he doesn't really want to Silva, not too bad for his first start. No, I thought, uh, Jean de looked, looked really solid. Um, was not afraid to shoot. And of most importance, as we've learned from some of Atlanta, not his wingers this season in the past, put those shots on goal. You can't score if you don't put them on goal. And he did that very, very well. Who's that two starting? Agree with it. Yeah. He looked good against Cruz Azul. He looked good last night. Um, he carried the ball forward at times. There were some times when he would stop and put his foot on the ball and kind of do this thing where they roll the ball back and forth as they look for stuff. I'm not a big fan of that. It gives the defense time to rest. It gives the defense time to get reorganized. I wish he would just kind of keep the ball moving, but I guess I understand at some points why uh, that choice is made. Obviously, Almada has incredible ball control, but he's does he hold on to the ball for too long too often? Now, I, I can understand why you're asking that because there was one moment last night that I thought, my goodness, is he going to pass the ball? And then I realized, oh, he is doing this on purpose. He's dribbling around like this on purpose. He's giving his teammates a time to get reorganized and get up the field. And to me, that's a very, it was a very, very smart play. At first I was, what is he doing? And then I realized, oh, no, this is really, really smart. Um, the team needed to get on the ball. It needed to catch its breath. It needed to get its form back. It, it had been pulled apart by Seattle. And it was, a, it was a smart play by him. Chance continues, thanks again for your great coverage. I can't wait to go watch the boys take on Nashville. I'm sure Nashville will, will be bringing hell with them after their loss to Miami. All right, Chance, as always, I appreciate it. Appreciate it, appreciate it, appreciate it. Mike, for the pod, how su- Mike, friend of the podcast, how surprised are you by the result and performance from Atlanta? As you know, they don't always match. Personally, I'm stunned the team kept a clean sheet. They were fortunate. Um, you know, I, I really did not have a feel for this game. I was having lunch with somebody yesterday, and we were kind of talking about the team and, and our expectations for tonight. And neither one of us really had a good a good vibe for what we think might happen. I would like to think that I'm I always get it right, but I don't always get my vibe right with compared with the result. Coffee sip. And because the team hadn't played in three weeks, and you know, new faces, Seattle we thought would come out like a house of fire. It also hadn't played in several weeks. It was mostly healthy, and it it was the other way around. Um, and you know, to be fair, we've heard the team talk about 
the you know fine-tuning the defensive mid-block and its press and what it wants to do with the ball and not allowing teams to get off to hot starts. And it's sometimes it's blown up. It did not blow up last night. Atlanta United really, really controlled the first 30 minutes. Should have been up three, four to nothing in the first 30 minutes. Um, they did everything they needed to do. Uh, Mike continues, what did you think of Mosquera? He brings a lot of energy and had a good shot, but I don't see it. Yeah, he's now into 80-something professional appearances without a goal. Um, it's cool that he gets into these positions, but and he should be credited for that. So I'm crediting him for that. But there has to be some sort of end product. He's a pro. Let's switch to the emails. We have Adam, friend of the podcast, who says, No questions tonight. I'm just pleased with the win and very, in all caps, pleased with the form of the side. The work rate and the intent to get forward was great to see. It wasn't just reminiscent of the trophy runs in 18 and 19, but it was positive and effective on the pitch. A team that looked more than the sum of its parts and capable of playing to its strengths. He continues, I love seeing Mayumba operating in a very Nagby-like role. I wondered how long it would take us for someone to do that comparison. He settled the side well while still keeping his eye downfield to keep the attack going. But while he, Mosquera, and Silva pleasantly surprised me, I'm going to offer my tip of the cap to Abram, who held steady tonight both in defending and with his passing in the back. Just well done by everyone. Bravo, five stripes. Bravo. Well said, Adam. I think that uh, represents the thoughts of a lot of people out there in five-stripe land. Ben and Sherry, friends of the podcast, wanted to correct the game preview podcast and i realized after i said this that it wasn't totally right it might have been slightly misleading but the correction is regarding saba georgia is in europe where he's from the country georgia but georgia is not in the eu this was talking about the visas and and things like that i do have a little more information about the visa process by the way i'll share with you in just a second i'd said that georgia is a part of the european union i I, that was a miss that was that was wrong by me um so the visa process there's been a lot of haranguing uh about the visa process and how long it's taken the team to secure these visas and it's just it's not as easy it's a it's a coordinated effort between the team the players union uh the immigration lawyer the team uses and the league office and then the government of the country that the team is coming from so the team can do things up to a certain point, and then beyond that, other parties affect how long it takes to get the visa. Uh, that's all the updated information I have about that, but it's still more information than I had before. Matt says, I'm on a roll. In a way, Miami is beating Atlanta at the game Atlanta invented. I am going to disagree with you on that, Matt. They're doing it differently. Miami is an upstart club. It's in its third or fourth year in a big American city with a huge airport and a large fan base. Both clubs have ambitions to be global franchises. They're kicking our butts right now on the field and in the front office. Well, they're doing it differently than what Atlanta United did. Atlanta United bought younger players with potential in hopes of uh, turning it into that kind of a model. And it worked for the first couple of years. Then it fell off a little bit because not all players work out, and it seemed to catch up with Atlanta not at all at the same time, and now it may be starting to work a little bit again. So that's not what Miami's doing. Miami's buying 
aged players that have no resale value, but who are helping the team win now, helping the team generate revenues now, which is both good things, but it's not doing it the same way, in my opinion. But it's just my opinion, and my opinion, as always, is worth as much as yours. Now, as always, our question of the week. I've got to come up with a better name for it because we now had two podcasts this week, so it can't, we can't have two questions of the week. Question of the pod from my friend Eric with a K, who always asks interesting questions. I'm not sure if I missed the question deadline, he says, but here you go. In honor of Gigi's brace and the bizarre ways my closed captioning chose to interpret his name in regard to spelling, who are your top five most challenging names to either pronounce or write? It took me a while to do Yurgo Shakamaki's. Saba's last name, which I'm going to attempt to pronounce here, and this is not a slight on him. It is a slight on my awful, awful, unintentional pronunciations. It's it's Saba Lobjanitse. That is going to be one that I'm just likely going to say Saba over and over and over again uh, and just cut and paste when I have to spell it. Uh, that's going to be one. Uh, as many of you who listen to the podcast for a while know, I would consistently mispronounce Tiago Almada's name uh, over and over and over again. Unintentional. It's just the Southern idiot in me sometimes popping out, mispronouncing his name. What are some of the other names that I had trouble with? Over the, I can never spell Detroit. I always spell it Debt Riot. Don't know why. Um, Louisa, Louisa Brahms' first name, I would continually spell with a Z, like Louisa Arhujo. Uh, again, a simple name, but I would mess it up every time and have to go back through and make sure I did not mess it up. You would think it would be pretty easy to spell. Um. Yeah, those are it off the top of my head. Weird, I know. Um, You know, there's some names on some other teams I can't even remember off the top of my head right now that I sometimes have trouble and have to go back and look up again and again and again. There are a couple for NYC FC. Uh, Castellanos, for some reason, I had trouble spelling. Um, Brandon Vasquez, I would, the first couple of years, I would, Type V A S Q U E Z. No idea why. Except I'm just a dumb guy. All right, we're going to wrap up this Southern Fried Soccer podcast. Atlanta United defeat Seattle two to nothing. For those who have asked, my mom was discharged uh, from the hospital and is doing fine. I want to thank everybody who reached out to, to send me positive vibes about that. I want to thank Jeremiah for giving me a ride home from Lumen Field last night. Uh, there's a story there about me trying to get back up to the press box after the interviews that I'll share with you at some point where I, I felt like I almost got locked into the stadium because, again, sometimes I'm not too bright. Um, yeah. If you ever get a chance to come to Seattle, come to Seattle. And while you're here, hug your loved ones, communicate with your loved ones. This is Southern Fried Soccer. Y'all take care. Ocean breeze, tropical beach, pina colada. You can buy an air freshener to make your car smell like you're in an oceanside paradise. Or, better yet, 
you can point your car toward Daytona Beach and come experience the real thing. Visit DaytonaBeach.com to discover all there is to see, do, and enjoy along the world's most famous beach. Daytona Beach, Florida. Beach on. I'm Ernie Suggs, race and culture reporter for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. And I'm Ned Ravone, lifestyle columnist. Atlanta has been known as the Black Mecca for so many years, but that means something different to everybody. It means everything to me. I've been living here for 24 years, and I am still amazed at how rich the city's Black culture continues to grow. Every day I wake up, I learn something new. Well, you all can learn something new by subscribing to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution's new newsletter called Unapologetically ATL. It's all about the people, the events, and the entertainment happening in Metro Atlanta that Black people might want to know about. Like historically Black colleges and universities. Atlanta's thriving art scene. And the city's growing neighborhoods. Wherever you live, we want to hear from you. We want to hear what issues are important to you. So subscribe today at www.ajc.com slash unapologetically ATL. Only from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Constitution.